Hello, and welcome to Logos in Life Community Church, where the revelation of God's Word meets life application, where you have the freedom to worship and serve. If you ever find yourself in Shreveport, Louisiana, we would love for you to join us. But for now, join us for a message that is already in progress. I gave you cleanliness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you where there was yet three months to harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander from another, wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew, your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locusts devoured, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword and carried away your horses, and I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. And yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrow some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Last verse. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Amen. For the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our, the word of our Lord shall remain always. What you've just heard was a reading of God's word. The topic I would like to teach today, to teach under today is what else needs to happen for you to return to God? What else needs to happen for us to say, I need a savior? What else needs to happen? Is the plea of Amos, the plea of God through the prophet Amos to God's people. We are living church in the last days. Today we are closer to Jesus' return than we were yesterday. When we look around, out west we see fires, out east we see floods. Disease in every city, crime at every turn, immorality on every channel. We are in the last days. What else needs to happen for you to return to God? Amos, his name means burden. And he has a heavy burden to carry. He is given the enormous burden, this heavy burden to carry the message of God to God's people. And I was just, I was outside talking 
to Brother Harold and inside talking to Miss Jackie. And the weight of this message has been so heavy on me for a while that I can only imagine the weight that Amos had to bring this declaration of God to God's people. Now, let me tell you, Amos wasn't anybody fancy. Amos was a shepherd. He wasn't anything special. There was nothing special about him, but the good news is that he had a powerful God walking with him. He was a messenger of God. And people tend to look at the messenger and miss hearing the message. What else needs to happen? Maybe I need to put on a choir robe so you won't see my fancy clothes. Maybe I should cover up to where you won't see our fancy shoes and our fancy jewelry to maybe you can see and hear more of God that we will return back to God. What else needs to happen? It says, but you would not return to me. So let me, first of all, in order for you to return, it means you had to have been where you needed to be or supposed to be at one time, but then something has happened, something has transpired that caused you to drift because God did not move. God didn't move. What was it? Because God blessed these people. At every cost, he made sure their shoes did not wear out. Their garments did not decay. When they got hungry, he sent food. Even if he had to make it rain from heaven, it was him, if they were thirsty, would, make, would bring water from a rock. So you would think after all of these blessings, why would you leave after all the love that God continues to show his people? Why do we have to return? Why did we leave in the first place? What else needs to happen? Because chapter one and two, you'll see the charges God was bringing against them. The deserved charges, because you will look at all the neighbors of Israel and all that they were doing and how they begin to mistreat each other and how they would disobey God and how they would hurt each other or misuse each other or cheat each other, doing everything except what God called them to do. So when we look at chapter one and two, we see the charges that brought against them. When we look at chapter three, it is as though God has begun to reason with the people. As though God was saying, I think it's chapter 3, verse 3, and he says that how can two walk together unless they agree on a direction? How can two walk together unless they agree where to meet? What is he saying right here? How can we walk as father and child if you don't know you're the child? How can we walk as God and servant if you think you're the God? How can we walk together? What else needs to happen? Then you get down to chapter 3, verse 10, and he makes this assessment. He says, my people has forgotten how to do right. You mean to tell me 
we've been doing so much wrong that the assessment of God that we must have forgotten how to do right because we do so much wrong. Keep in mind, this is not God's assessment of the world. This is God's assessment of his people. Oh, it's heavy today. Chapter 1 and 2 is, are the charges that brought up against them. Chapter 3 is the reasoning he shows to them. Chapters 5 through 9 is the deserved judgment. Chapter 1 and 2 are the charges against them. Chapters 5 through 9 is the judgment that awaits them. 5 through 9 is the judgment that's waiting because of chapters one through three. But I came here with good news today. There's a chapter four. I am in love with this chapter four God because the chapter one God, the chapter one through three God brought charges. The chapter five through nine God is got a judgment waiting. But this God that I'm talking about, the same God, he gives an opportunity for us to repent in chapter four. Oh, I like that. Thank you, Jesus, because he could look at us and charge us with the crimes of sin through humanity. And he will be a rightful judge to give us the char- mean to give us the persecution or the judgment we deserve. But God being God says, I want to give you another chance. I just the intercessor just called to pray for me. And and one of the things she kept saying over and over, Miss um, Sister Alethea Strata. She kept saying, God, thank you for another chance. Thank you for another chance to praise you. Thank you for another chance to talk to you. Thank you for another chance to please you. And I had to tell her, you don't know what you're doing for me right now. Let's look at chapter four. We're going to roll through chapter four. So lace up your boots and hold on. See, because God given us a chance to repent. And when he gives us an opportunity to repent, it's because he wants to relent. Okay. God wants us to come back because he don't want to have to do this judgment. It's almost like a father and a child. I was talking to Minister Stephen Tebow yesterday and I was telling him, I said, man, when other people in the world do us wrong, we, we feel a certain type of way. We still feel hurt. I say, but Taylor is your daughter. What happens when your daughter walks away from you? He says, Pastor, that's a whole different type of hurt. I said, but what if she come back and say, I'm sorry, he says, then I wouldn't do the punishment that I had in store because she deserved this punishment, but she came back. In chapter four, God looks at the people and their posture and their behavior in verse one through five. He's looking at the people and he's not happy with our current posture. He's looking at our luxury living we live in a life of contentment while we're headed to face a judgment. We got our feet up and everything is cool. See, during this time, Israel was going through a period of prosperity. In verse 1, God calls them a cow. Hear this, you cows of Bashan. 
Bashan was famous for having cows that look good on the outside. He says, look, all y'all look good on the outside. See, we are, we can become so caught up with our outward showing, but we have no inward commitment. We think as long as we look good before God, that is enough for God. But we must understand that God don't look at the outer man. God looks at the heart. He said, oh, you cows of Bashan, those that are worried about what you look like on the outside, but have no commitment to me on the inside. For those of you that are religious, but no relationship. How can you be people of God when you keep reading? How can you be people of God when you oppress the poor? That's what the text says. How can you be people of God when you crush the needy? All because you want to be seen given. Okay. He tells them even from verse 1 through 5, go ahead to Bethel. Go ahead to Gilgal and present your offerings. How, how about I read it to you? I, I know y'all like the scripture. Verse 4 says, come to Bethel and transgress. Go to Gilgal and multiply your transgressions. Let me stop right here. They had begun to go to these two temples, and they had made these places a shrine for false gods. And he says that every time you go to church and make an offering that does not include your heart, you are compiling your sins. Oh, you didn't came to church and you sent it. Why? Because the offering you're making is not unto God. The offering you're making is not from your heart. You doing it so you can be seen. You doing it so you can tell somebody you do. You doing it so you can look good on the outside. You're doing it without a commitment to me, you cows. What else needs to happen? That's what the text says. I'm not calling you a cow. But God is not happy with how people are so consumed by appearance, the appearance of righteousness, without having righteousness itself. In every one of these passages that you just heard me read from verse 6 to 12, it says God sent or God did, which gives me the belief that God is affecting everything that we depend on more than him. He is going to affect everything that we depend on more than him with one hope in mind, that we would see that we can't depend on these things, that we should call on him, depend on him, come to him, repent to him, and stay with him. God didn't do these things so he could kill them. So he could have judgment. He did these things with the hopes that we would return. That's why after everything he said, but you still didn't return. Because I did this so that you would, or I allowed this so that you would return. So the plan wasn't to take you to judgment. The plan was to forgive you the whole time, but I can't forgive you if you don't repent. There is no relent without repentance. And without repentance, his judgment will be relentless. Okay, verse 6 says this. I gave you cleanness of teeth in your cities and in your lack of bread in all your places, yet you did not return to me. Here we go. What else needs to happen? Famine or hunger? 
Watch this. That cleanliness of teeth is not God saying that he took you to the orthodontist. Cleanliness of teeth means your teeth are clean because you don't have anything to eat. You don't have anything to dirty your teeth with. So now uh, you don't even have food to eat. So here comes famine, and where there is famine will be hunger. God is saying, I'm trying to make you hunger so you can stir up an appetite for me. The Bible says, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be satisfied, shall be filled, which means the opposite has to be true. That if you hunger and thirst after anything other than righteousness, you will never be satisfied. He's saying, I've put you into a place to make you hunger for me. But you still won't return. What else needs to happen if I've affected your famine and your hunger. Verse seven says, I also, this God, I also withheld the rain from you when there yet, when there were yet three months to the harvest. Let me pause right here. He says, what else needs to happen? A drought? But listen to what he says. He says, I held up the rain three months before the harvest. Okay, let me pause. By saying, if you return now, you could still have a harvest. Oh, my goodness. See, some of you right now, God sent a drought into your life right now because he knows there's a harvest later. Just because you have a drought don't mean you've missed the harvest. Even though it's drought season, please understand, you don't have to miss the harvest season. But if you repent now, you can still have the harvest. If you can repent now, you won't have this judgment. You will still have the harvest. But for those of you that think that ain't no harvest because there is a drought, won't have a harvest. What else do I need to do? And then he says that because he showed his power in the drought, right? By, by giving us a chance. Then he turns around and shows his power by saying, I'm not going to have it to be no rain at all. Because then you will just think there is no rain. But I'll let you see rain. It just won't be for you. That's when he says, I'll make it rain in another city. And that city will be prosperous. But then you're going to try to get smart and go over there to get the rain I sent for them. And you will find that it's not going to be enough to satisfy you. It's not going to be enough. See, God showing his power to say, yes, I can make it rain on the just as well as the unjust. I don't want you to think there is no rain. There is rain. So if you know there is rain, if you believe there is rain, you should believe there is a God. And if you can believe there is a God and you need God's rain, come back. What else needs to happen? Famine or hunger? What else needs to happen? A drought? Verse 9. Oh, hold on. Verse 8 says this. You'll go to the two cities and you will wander from city to city, and there will not even be water to drink. So not only will he allow you to get hungry for him, he'll allow you to get, to, oh, hello, somebody. He wants you to thirst after him and pant after him like a deer pants for the water. I, I, I was at home the other day and 
I think we were gone all day, so the dog was at home, and I think he drunk all his water early in the day. Well, I didn't get home till about two or something, and he was following me through the house, following me through the house. I go in the kitchen, he go in the kitchen. No matter where I went, he went, and I'm like, okay, he must want something. And he didn't want to go outside, so okay, I looked, he had food, he was fine. But I looked in his other bowl, he didn't have any water. He followed me until I gave him water. I poured water in his bowl, then I set it on the counter because I got a phone call. So I'm entertaining the phone call, and he like, is that my water up there? And he followed me all the way because I had to go to the back and grab something. And I came back and I said, let me give him his water. So I got his water. He followed me to the back. He followed me to the kitchen. I grabbed his um, water container. I set it down in his tray in the living room. And he got the sopping up and drinking up that water. But I said all that to say he followed me until he got his satisfaction of drink. He was thirsty, so he had to come to me. He was thirsty, so he had to follow me. He was thirsty, so he did not leave my presence until he got what he knew I could provide. I want to know right now, what else needs to happen? Are you thirsty for him? Verse 9, I struck you with blight and mildew. Your many gardens... Your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, the locusts devoured those. Here we go. What needs to happen? Economic devastation? See, we depend on our jobs because we think nothing will ever happen to these jobs. We can depend on the job. A job that size won't close down. A job that size won't run out. A job. Well, if the, this has taught us nothing else, nothing is safe because jobs can close, buildings can close, manufacturers can close. And I'm saying all this, God is saying right here, I sent the locusts. Let me pause right here. I had to look up the locusts to see Mm, why did he say the locusts? Because it's that same locusts that he sent here was them locusts that he sent in Egypt. And the Pharaoh had a problem with that locust. He was like, oh, no, Lord God. not number eight. Number that was the eighth plague. Not number eight, God, not the locusts. Well, see, the locusts don't just damage your crops. They destroy the crops because a locust can eat its body weight in leaves in a day. The locusts was destroying their economic devastation because if you got money, you can buy water. If you got money, you can buy food. And what God was trying to show them, you can't depend on money. You can't serve both men and money. You can only choose one and hate the other. He's saying you can't count on your money. You can't count on these jobs. You can't count on this food. You can't count on this rain. You can't count on anything but me. He says, I've sent you through economic devastation and you still didn't return. What else needs to happen? Verse 10. I sent among you pestilence. After the manner of Egypt, I killed your young men with a sword and carried away your horses, and I made the stench of your camp. In, in some scriptures, it says that I made the stench of death in your camp, but you still wouldn't return to me. What else need to happen? Famine or hunger? What else need to happen? Drought? What else need to happen? Economic devastation? What else needs to happen? Sickness or plague? 
See, right now, the coronavirus is ahead of everything because it seems like it's just killing folks the fastest. It's killing the most folks the fastest. But you got cancer, diabetes, many other things that's taking lives, a whole lot of other different type of sicknesses that is taking lives. These are the sicknesses. What? You also got sexual sicknesses. You also got fleshly sicknesses. You also got sinful sicknesses. You got this pestilence that is being bothered, that is sweeping the nation. Why is my church houses, why are they not full? of people that's running back. Sickness on every corner. Cancer on every corner. Diabetes, high blood pressure on every corner. But we look to the medicine for the answer when God says, return to me. Now, I'm not saying don't take your medicine. Because that same God that says return to me is the same God that made the doctor and the same God that made the pharmacist and the same God that will allow you to do it. He says, but what's sweeping the land can only be halted by my people if they return. If my people that was called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... Notice he didn't say if the world would. No, maybe the world going through what they're going through because God's people not doing what they're supposed to do. Because he says, if my people would return to me, then I'll heal your land. Then you're healed from heaven. What else needs to happen? He says there's going to be war and military defeat. Oh, it's wars happening right now. And it's not just wars overseas. There's wars in our house, wars in our minds. All, it's, it's gang wars right now on the street where they're shooting kids with guns, shooting kids with guns. At 10 and 11 o'clock, they're outside shooting 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. Where they get these guns from? And it's not about where you get the gun from. It's why they don't have God. And it says that the killing of the young, let me help you. Whenever you have a military, like we depend on our military. We're not worried about somebody come over here. We're the United States. We're all powerful. We got the largest army in the world. Okay, yeah, but your, your army now is defeated. Why? Because they, they hungry and they can't eat. There's no money to supply. And then when he says the killing of the young, it means there's no future army either. It means nobody's coming. So how are you when you find yourself in a situation where nobody's coming to save you and you still won't come to me? Verse 11. I overthrow some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me pause right there. What else needs to happen? Famine or hunger? What else need to happen? Drought. What else need to happen? Economic devastation. What else need to happen? Sickness and plagues. What else need to happen? Catastrophes. You know, like the destruction of homes and cities. You want to see destruction of home and city? Oh, you don't have to go far. It's happening right in our own state where floodwaters came that's almost taller than people's houses. 
where actually you don't have to look far. We can just look right across the street from our church where there's a large building filled with people that had to run from their homes while the power of God, the winds of God, the waves of God, and the waters from God has destroyed what man has built. They don't know what they're going back to. See, the city of New Orleans never lost power. They always lost electricity. Power was there. Because it took power to blow the winds. It took power to make the water come. It took power. So I'm not out of power. I'm out of electricity. And maybe the city don't have electricity because they're not tapping in to the power. Catastrophes. Look at what it says that I'm, I overthrew some of you just like God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Can I pause right here? I remember the angels talking. I remember Abraham sitting outside and he saw the three angels coming and he asked him where they was going and he let them know that we about to go tell uh, like all this over here, Sodom and Gomorrah. When you see this tomorrow, all, all that right there going to be gone. Wait, hold on. God, it's me. Send me some water so I can wash some feet because I need to have a conversation with you. This is Abraham talking to God. He says, are you going to allow the wicked to perish? I mean, you're going to allow the righteous to perish with the wicked? God says, no, I definitely won't do that. What do you mean? He says, so if I found 50 righteous people, you're going to let those 50 righteous die with the wicked? He says, no. He said, what if I find 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, all the way down? God says, if you can find 10, can we do the math real quick? Lot, I mean, Abraham was going there. He only needed to find 10. God told him, if you find 10 that are righteous, I save. Oh, boy, hello, somebody. I just want to pause here. What if you being righteous could save your whole family? Okay, let me come back here. He's talking about 10. Can, can we do the math? Lot should be righteous. His wife should be righteous. They got two children, and they got two husbands. That's six. You mean to tell me Abraham couldn't find four righteous people in the whole two cities? But it also means the same way I did Sodom and Gomorrah is how I'm going to do this city, which means I gave the righteous a chance to leave. We are the righteous. He's given us a chance to leave, but we don't want to leave. We're enjoying this sinful life. We're enjoying this fornication. We're enjoying this mistreatment. We're enjoying this luxury living. We're enjoying looking down on the poor. We're enjoying stepping over the needy. We're enjoying um, um, idolizing other God. We're enjoying everything that doesn't look like God. And this is what God is doing. He's looking in our families to say, you know what? Find me one righteous and I'll save them all. Okay. What else needs to happen before we return to God? Now, I want to give you some scriptures of why God's people need to return. Joel chapter 2, verse 13, says why we should come back. It says, don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. He says your outer appearance shouldn't matter. <laughs> this is why we got to come back, because it's, it's, it's a matter of the heart. Coming back to God is not a matter of what you do on the outside. 
it's first have to be connected to what drives you on the inside. We talked about this Wednesday, how you have ex external actions, but internal drivers. This internal driver will affect your external behavior. So if I'm being driven by the heart, then my external should show up. Watch, return to your Lord. This is why we can return. Number one, because he's merciful. Number two, he's compassionate. Number three, he's slow to anger. Watch this. He angry, but he'll be slow to dish it out. And then he's filled with unfailing love. Why? Because everything he put them through, no matter how many times they disobeyed. No, I don't want to say they. No matter how many times we disobeyed. No matter how many times we walked away. No matter how far we are away from him, we didn't stop being his kids and his love did not stop. Why? Because he is eager to relent and not punish. God would rather not punish us. Hosea 14 and 1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Why? This is why we should come back. Because we have stumbled. Because of our iniquities. Because of the way we live. Because of our thought process, our stinking thinking has separated us from God. What else? Need? This is why we got to come back, because our mind got us in trouble. Job 22 and 23 says, if you return to the almighty, watch this, you will be restored. This is why, because not only is he's um, slow to anger and compassionate and full of love and gracious and don't want to um, destroy us, but he is waiting to restore us. Oh, hello, somebody. But this is how to come back. See, I know you're saying, okay, this is why I can come back, right? Because I have sinned. This is why I could come back, because he's compassionate. He has loving kindness, and he does not want to destroy us. He wants to restore us. This is why we can come back. But, Pastor, how? I know somebody. I heard you on that question. Good question. Here we go. Jeremiah 24 and 7. Jeremiah 24 and 7 says, and I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. They shall be my people and I will be their God. Well, how do I come back? But they shall return to me with their whole heart. Returning to God is a matter of the heart. You can't, turn, you can't return to him with your hands up. You got to return to him with your heart open. You can't return to him because you can sing a song. You better turn to him because your heart is open. You can't return to him because you got a need. You better return to him because your heart is open. Now, what to expect when I come back? This is why to come back, how to come back, what to expect when I come back. Hosea 6 and 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he had, watch this, this is what to expect. He has torn us that he may heal us. He's basically saying God has put, brought us through this, brought us to this to bring us through this, but he's not just bringing us through it to bring us to our next issue. He's bringing us through it to bring us to him. It's almost like you're in the hospital and you have been healed. And when God come pick you up, he's not dropping you off where he found you. <laughs> he's taking you with him. So he's saying that this is what to expect when we come back, that yes, he has torn us, but he did it so he can heal us. Yes, he has struck us down that he will bind us up again. Second Chronicles 15 and 4 says this, but whatever 
But whenever they are in trouble, anybody in trouble? But whenever they are in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of all Israel, watch this, and sought him out. This is what to expect. When you turn and you seek him, this is what you can expect. You can expect to find him. Because how can you not find somebody that's not hiding? Ask and you shall have. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and ye shall find me. But he says you will seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with your whole heart. But then I got some disturbing news. What to expect for those that don't come back? If they don't return, if you don't return, verse 12 says this, prepare to meet your God. Now, this is the God of judgment. In Hebrews 10, it tells us that it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you fall into God's hands and you are not, and you are not in obedience, that is a terrifying thing. I'm done. But watch this. I'm, I'm done. I truly am done. If I don't return, he's saying, prepare to meet your God. Pastor, what is, is he saying? Show us what he's saying. He, here it is. This is what he's saying. I will no longer send famine. I will no longer make you thirst. I will no longer send sickness. I will no longer send disease. I will no longer send catastrophes. I will no longer. Um, I will no longer have sickness and plagues. No longer be signs. No longer be economic devastation. This time, I'm not sending anything. This time, you gotta face me yourself. Prepare to meet the Lord. It is as though God is saying enough is enough. I've given you all of these signs in the book of John on what salvation looks like and how salvation is made for you by faith, by word, by belief, by Christ. I've given you all of these chances to come to me. He even says, I, even for those of you that have walked away from me, I, I, I'll send something in your life to make you run to me. Death may happen in your life, but you don't come back to me. I'm not doing this to push you away. Everything God does is to bring us closer. And in the Bible, in James, it says that if we draw unto him, he will draw unto us. But God right here is saying, I'm no longer sending anything. I'm no longer going to send anybody. You must now come see me. You don't want to see me if you haven't returned to me. You don't want to see me if you're still not looking like me. You don't want to. What else do I need to do? You've already heard how much I love you. John 3.16 says God loves you this much. We already know that can't nothing separate us from the love of Jesus. Can't not, what can man do to us if God is for us? We've learned this. But now God is to a point to say enough. Is enough. What else has to happen, church? What else have to happen, people of God? I know you're saying, oh, but I go to church. Yeah, 
but is your heart in it? I know you're seeing your tides, but is your heart in it? What if your righteousness can heal your family? The song says, I know he can heal the land. But he's saying, if you want me to heal the land, my people that are called by my name must humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then, then, then. I am grateful. And I was talking to Minister Stephen Tebow yesterday. And I was just telling him how heavy this word was for me, how hard this message was for me. Because I know we're used to encouragement and empowerment. And a lot of times when people want to refer to the older preachers that say all they preach is fire and brimstone. All they talk about is hell. That's the one place they don't want you to go. That's why they talk about it so much. And I told Steve, I said, man, God says this in five categories that they won't return to me. He says it five times. And Steve said, Pastor, isn't that the number for grace? So God offers us grace before judgment. Grace before judgment. And when we go into the New Testament, it says that Jesus is our grace. The actions that happened on the cross was grace. We did not deserve it. We cannot earn it. We cannot repay it. It's grace. That's why he says he is gracious. Will you return to God? What else needs to happen? Because I don't want you to know the alternative. That if you don't return, prepare to meet your God. Because he is your God, whether you claim him or not. And it's one thing for the world to do certain things. They already know their faith. That's what John 3 says. But for those that don't believe, you have been condemned already. But for those of us that's supposed to believe, what else needs to happen? You want what happens in heaven to be loosed on earth. You want healing to be loosed on earth. You want prosperity to be loosed on earth. You want love to be loosed on earth, but we won't return. People of God, God is waiting on us. Thank you so much for allowing us to share the word of God with you today. If you would like to witness a live presentation of the word of God, join us for Sunday morning worship at 1045 and Wednesday night at 6 p.m. for Life Lessons. We are located at 8805 Juella Avenue, Suite 121 in Shreveport, Louisiana. We pray the word you received was a blessing and an enhancement to your life. May God continue to bless you is our prayer. See you next time.